Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fund Podcast. Today, our guest is the lovely and vibrant Alice Wheaton. Thank you for joining us, Alice. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Tammy. Thank you for inviting me. So, Alice, tell us what you do. What is your passion? Well, my passion is rescuing animals, but that doesn't pay a darn thing. (laughs) Uh, So I guess you could say I finance that passion by being an author and a speaker and a consultant. And my typical audience are engineers and technical experts. So what got you into dealing with engineers and technical experts? Because that's a very special skill set. Well, I used to be a critical care nurse, and we did not do anything, any procedure, unless it had been vetted and there was a specific set of processes and protocols. Mm -hmm. It has to be that way. Otherwise, people die. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, no nurse could show up and say, oh, I think I'll try this today. But in the game of business development and sales, what happens is – Salespeople fly by the seat of their pants oftentimes, and engineers especially are not interested in um, conversations that's not going anywhere. They're not interested in rhetoric. They like to be able to analyze what's being taught and said and say, oh, does that make sense? And it does. I mean, I used a, I have a weekly blog, and I used an example of 20 gigajoules of energy. You know, if we wake up with 20 gigajoules of energy, we've how much are we going to waste that day? And an engineer emailed me back and said, actually, one gigajoule of energy is enough to fuel a large coal plant for a minute. <laughs> yep, that's an engineer for you. <laughs> and that's why I love working with them. <laughs> yes, I have I have a few engineer clients in my world. And I love them to pieces, but you have to deal with them very, very differently because they have some quirks. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is that uh, a lot of salespeople right now, you know, 20 years ago, there was this reasonably bad book published called Relationship Selling. And when I and when I help clients uh, interview and hire salespeople and I say, you know, one of the questions is, what's your selling model without fail? And I mean, without fail, they say relationship selling. And so I let them know that I've never heard a client ever say, I'm a relationship buyer. (laughs) I've never heard one say, I hope I'm down a friend or two. I hope a salesman calls me today. Yeah. 
And so what happens is that engineers have credibility uh, galore. And, and really that's what, that's what a prospect wants. They want, they want to be able to see you as credible, yep. not as nice and fun loving. And, and while it might be rewarding to share the love back and forth for a couple of minutes, uh, technical buyers and the higher up the organization you sell, the, the least interested they are in relationships. They want to have a, a product, a service that's going to help them um, achieve their five-year goals in three years. Yes. But, but they don't want to be buddy-buddy. And most, only the top, in every organization, there, you know, typically there's 5% who are elite performers and then, then there's 10% who are top performers. And, and the elite and top performing salespeople do not try and form a relationship as a basis for getting the deal. The, re- the relationship comes because you can deliver. The relationship may or may not come. Um, I have a client in Toronto, a thousand person engineering firm. Um, when, I, when I'm there and the CEO did sign the contract and when I'm there, if we happen to be in the elevator, he'll look at me, nod his head and say, Alice. And I say, Anthony. And that's it. <laughs> but hey, when they keep hiring you, that's way more important than rapport. Yes. And so engineers, when I, when I position this, engineers go, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in my experience, Tammy, uh, introverted People who are analytical with, with just even a little bit of driver become, can become selling machines. And they're better because they're not full of that BS rhetoric, right? Yes. And so the credibility. And, and I notice when I go on calls with an engineer that the clients, the prospects lean forward. Whereas oftentimes if I'm with someone from manufacturing, say, the client might even be leaning back with their arm folded and then slowly unfold their arms as they experience the credibility of the salesperson in front of them but engineers they have credibility galore so what i was saying is that credibility will get you the sale way faster than rapport and so part of my business is you know it's about pushing a rock uphill because salespeople in general want to show up and throw up right they don't want to talk four minutes out of five and be mr nice guy so what is your what is your family situation well i have one son and uh, I um, and my partner and I live li- live here in this house. I've got uh, several rental properties, and he has rental properties as well. And how old is your son? My son is thirty-two. Mom's boy. <laughs> so, so you're an experienced mom. You yes. Through all the wonderful teenage years and actually seeing them to grow up. <laughs> you know, my son was never a nasty teenager. Well, that that's very. I, my daughter's going through the teenage years right now. She's not nasty, but there's definitely changes. Like she's gone from being my 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 cuddly little girl to being the 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 quiet, stay in her room, doesn't need to have anything whatsoever to do with this child. Do you just you have one child? Just one. Yeah, I love having just one. Oh, it's it's wonderful. I'm going. I don't know how people can do more than one. She made me tired when she was younger. I was tired until he was nine. 
But, you know, with one child, I mean, my son will graduate from university without much student loan. And he's just gone. He has a history degree. And then he's gone back now in September because he's decided he wants to be a psychologist. And and so with one son, you can. And he, of course, lives in one of my rental properties. Mm -hmm. So with one son, you can subsidize them. One child, you can subsidize them easier than if you have two. Yeah, it's an awful lot easier. Kids are expensive. But, you know, here, my philosophy is there's no better investment than in your own kid. Yes. Have to, have, have to agree very much on that front. We, we have a young woman that lived with us, and we certainly consider her our daughter, even though she's 30 and came to live with us five years ago. But last week, he said, can you do this? I said, no, I'm, I'm, I've got to pick up Nisha. And he said, I don't think you picked me up as much. And I said, wait, I bought you three cars. Uh, yeah, you forgot that part, dear. Every car you've had since you turned 18 has been compliments of mom. He said, yeah, well, yeah, you had to bring that up. <laughs> I was I was trying to have my own little pity party and you just ruined it, mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But, you know, he was brought up rescuing cats and dogs, and you can't be walking around with a cat talking baby talk to your cat at 15 and then be an idiot at 17, right? You, the heart is already there. And you, your daughter, she's been brought up around pets, too. I mean, her heart is already full, right? Oh, yes. Oh, it just yes. might be a little rattled right now, but it's still full of love and compassion. And and it's it's so much better for kids on so many levels to be raised oh. around animals if they can be because um, yeah there are some that just I have, my daughter has a friend and the friend isn't allergic but her sister is so allergic like she can't yeah. even set foot in the house and her eyes will start to swell. Well, I you know in my rental properties I prefer to rent to dog owners and preferably to pit bulls. But anyway, oh. Which would make you very popular because most people, if they have pets, have a heck of a time trying to find rentals. Yeah, yeah, no, I prefer to rent to dog owners because, Tammy, here's a great, and any of your listeners have rental properties. So when I rent to a pet owner, the animal must be spayed or neutered. Mm -hmm. It must have current uh, vaccinations. And I must be able to get a printout of their invoices from the vet. If I can speak to the vet, fine, but mostly I want their printout. And what that shows me is that if someone is – oh, irresponsible people don't take their animals to the vet. No, they don't. Well, what – and if a person doesn't have a pet, how do, how can I find out if it's responsible – they're responsible or not? I can't. Yeah, so I've never thought of it about being that way. But, yes, like you said, if you're seeing if you're seeing the vet bills and all this stuff that they are responsible and take care of, that's a completely different game than people that um, don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, when I say I rent to dog owners, I wouldn't rent to a dog owner if the animal does not have a track record of being spayed or neutered and, and current with the vet. Yeah. And, you know, when they say, oh, do you want to talk to my ex-boss? And, nope. Do you want to talk to my bank? Nope, I don't want to talk to anyone but your vets. <laughs> and how do how do the people respond to that? Shocked, like no one's ever asked that before. Well, well, I can guarantee. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's that's a really interesting thing. Well, I'm an upside down thinker, Tammy. So that. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, I I have to say I've never had a problem with a pet owner. Well, if you're if you're vetting them like that, like I've I've got quite a few clients that have have rentals and stuff and like big ones, like I've got a client who's got over 400 doors, and 
there's people that have had good experience with people with pets, and then I can tell you some horror stories of people that rented to, to pet owners. And it comes down to who they were. But if they go through that vet process, they won't have those problems. Yeah, I like that. That's actually really, really cool. So, so contact all your vet, all your clients with pets and say, listen to this podcast. Oh, totally will. Like I said, I will, I will share that. Cause like I said, this is one of the reasons why I've been having so much fun doing this podcast over the last, we've been doing it over just over a year now is I talk to different people and you learn different things and because everybody's has different areas of expertise and it's just, it's sharing the information and it's wonderful. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm always amazed at how stunned I was yesterday. <laughs> so if you don't, if you think you know it all, then you're going to know nothing, right? Yeah. The, the, the smartest people know how little they actually know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the smartest people yeah. know how little they actually know. So now with your, with your son going, and well, how long have you been like a, in rental properties and doing all of this stuff? Um, I my son's thirty two, so twenty nine years. Okay, so he he's been through this basically with you the whole time. Yes, yeah, he, ha- he hasn't really been involved in the. Well, no, but he saw you growing up doing it and things like that. Yes, yeah. So did he ever ask questions or or what did he want to learn or was he even kind of aware? Well, for a while we had uh, we had a couple of um, uh, Airbnbs before the market turned, okay. and uh, he he and his wife did the turnovers and got five star reviews. So they're very um, responsible that way. They, I mean, you know, he, <laughs> I had two fourplexes in a very undesirable area town. I made a selfish decision. I decided to go for doors instead of quality mm. or quantity and um you know he would be over in that area you know helping me shovel out the garbage that was left behind um and so one day he looked at me and said mom get rid of those places and i looked at him and said and he was like nine or ten then oh so he was quite young and he was helping with this <laughs> because i had i had a i had property like in high status areas and then i went for the cheap area and got all those doors and it's like oh my god so any other things that he would comment on or ask like did he ever ask you questions about business or money when he was growing up no um you know he's a different he's a different character personality than i am his father and i are both um, business people but he's um he's an intellect Mm -hmm. he's scary scary smart and so he's um one thing that I had to do in bringing him up, like if if he was seven years old and I wanted to have a conversation with him, um, he sat down and listened. He loved having conversations, like back and forth conversations. Oh, my. And a critical thinker, like from a very young age. I was, too, but he he's, was very much so. And, you know, one of the things I would say is I need to have a conversation with you. But I want to have it in a way that uh, it's way above your age bracket. What do you think? Which kind do you want? Do you want me to treat you like a nine-year-old or shall I talk to you as if you were 14? And he would say, mm, 14, mom, always 14. So <laughs> that's how I had my conversation. When he was 19, it would be like, Lloyd, I want to have a conversation with you. Um, but it's, you know, more like a 25-year-old conversation. Shall I, you know, dumb it down or... 
pile it up. And he said, oh, no, 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 20. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, pile it on, Mom. Come on. But that's, yeah, that's, yeah. But I was a single mom, you know, and I recently I tried to do an inventory and say, you know, I was a single mom. Is there anything that you want to, that hurt your feelings or that I did that was wrong, that hurt you? And he said, no, he says, but my biggest memory of you is that you were tired a lot. I think that's all parents. <laughs> he said, I remember being at Chuck E. Cheese's and watching you sl- And I looked over and you had your head on the counter and sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> but you you know what? I never thought of that. You're right. It's all parents, not just single parents. Yeah, and single parents because they got more on their plate, definitely more. But I'm going... Whenever, whenever I, I, I see, see women a bit younger, cause my friends are pretty much past the age, like we're worrying about grandchildren in like 10 to 15 years. But yeah. I see, see the new moms that are pregnant and starting out and going, get as much sleep as you can now, dearie, cause you yeah. ain't gonna get it again. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad you can't really stockpile it, but appreciate it. Trust me. Appreciate it. One of my coaching clients was here yesterday. And helping her develop, and she's an engineer, helping her develop her strategy because she, she's held on her own now. She's decided to start her own business. And I, and so uh, on Friday, I have a very high level selling call where I'm going to be trying to sell, close an order. Yep. I said, you know, you can come and listen in on a conversation. And she, she scooted through her mind it was like, okay, childcare this, childcare for that one because she has two children. Yep. And, and I thought, you know, aren't moms wonderful? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she was like, okay, if I do this, yep, I'll be here. Yeah, and I have to figure it all out. Figure it all out. But you could tell that the kid, the children took priority, that she had to make it work for them first. Yeah. And and, and that's with, that's with a lot of things. I, I have so many entrepreneur women in my in my life and with my clients and friends and stuff like that. And dads are wonderful. Like, I love how much more involved fathers are these days still different it's very very different it's very different it's the mom is is the ultimate go-to yeah and and if things need to be juggled around or anything 90 yeah. percent of the time it falls on mom, mom. and a mm-hmm. lot of guys like i said it's gotten so much better like my husband and i raising kids was complete opposite of my parents raising me and my siblings Mm-hmm. But it's still like my husband doesn't have to worry about a fraction of the things that I have to look after because I'm just mom. <laughs> it's interesting though with uh, with Ernest and me, my my husband and me. Uh, he um, when I have when when he has tenant turnovers, we both dive in and we work just as hard as 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 we did in, in our thirties. And that goes for him. And like yesterday, I was turning over, helping him turn over his property. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, and and it never occurs to us to job that out to anyone. Yeah, and that's that's just that's how it works for you guys, which is wonderful. And having said that, I do have a cleaning lady twice a week. But oh, cleaning ladies are worth their and are worth their weight in gold. Yeah, when people talk about minimum wage, it's like, oh my God, I've never ever paid her less than fifteen, and now it's way more. Like yeah. even when she first started. And they're and they're so worth it. And a lot of people going, well, why would you do that? And going, okay, my time is worth way more 
than what I pay my cleaning lady, and it's good for my marriage because it keeps me happy and not fighting with my husband about who's cleaning the toilets. Well, the thing thing is that I work out of my uh, my primarily work out of my home, except when I'm at my client's office, yep. uh, co- doing group training or coaching there, and I I just don't think I'd have the energy to do both so yeah exactly who has who has the time to do all that stuff when you can have somebody come in and and you get to enjoy the wonderfulness of having the house done <laughs> i must confess i do uh, most of the cooking unless it's barbecuing because i don't eat meat so uh, yeah but i was just at co-op and i bought some delicious vegan indian food so that'll cover me for two days <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of the things i would love is a chef would be very, very high on my list. A raw food, a raw vegan chef would be the ultimate. For, 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 for you. You and right. I have slightly different dietary choices. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever rocks your world, if you're happy, that's all that matters. Well, I have mice in my cupboards right now and I, I can't trap them. I can't. So, but, but I'm going about it a holistic way. I've taken all of the drawers out and with my five cats, Surely to goodness, one of them will get them. Yeah, they'll take care of it. <laughs> and that's sort of passive-aggressive veganism, I think. <laughs> so, to finish up here, if if you were advising uh, parents with kids at home right now, if they needed to learn, three, teach three things to their kids so that they can feel that they've been successful on the, teaching the financial front, what three things would you advise that they learn? Well, I can I can tell you the three things that I didn't do and should have. Okay, you know what? Those are the best lessons. I was I remember when my son was. We were over at uh, when he was smaller. We were over at Walmart or Kmart or whatever it was then, and and uh, he wanted he couldn't decide between two different you know figurines. You know, I I think it was Ghostbusters or something like that. And I said, well, you have to pick one, and so. We got to the, so we picked one and we got to the cash counter and I said, oh, go back and get the other one. So we went back and got it. And then as I was driving home, I parked the car before we got to our area. And I said, Lloyd, I just want you to know that what you witnessed back there was very bad parenting. I shouldn't have said that. I should have, you know, trained you to prioritize and make a choice. And he looked at me and says, no, 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 mom, that was good parenting. You only spoil a child if you give him things without love. Yes. So there you are. That's a, that's like if you give things, I think, to kids to shut them up or get them out of the way, then that's not teaching them anything. Yeah, not just that. A lot of people just because they're working so hard and stuff, they do it out of guilt or sense of obligation, I think, as well. It's not necessarily so much without love. But I know. I bet you there was some guilt and obligation in my. <laughs> The other thing that I, my son went to a boarding school, which was $35,000 a year, Shawnigan Lake, and he wouldn't have graduated otherwise because he had some learning difficulties. Okay. And he graduated, and he loved it. He loved, loved, loved boarding school. Um, and so even though it was a big compromise and a big sacrifice, mm-hmm. and back then that would have been like... Um, yeah, that's so he, pricey. He went there for four years, so that would have been like down payment on two houses probably, right? But the thing is, is that there is no bigger investment, I believe, than putting it into your child. I know people that invest in 
stocks and, and companies and so on and have the philosophy that, well, I'm not going to pay for my child's university. I paid for mine so they can pay for theirs. Well, you know what? 30, 40 years ago when you went to university, it's a whole different story. Yeah, completely different in costs and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people that just don't get it. The world that you grew up in hasn't yeah. existed in a very long time. And you're telling people they need to adjust. And why can't you do what I did when it's not even an option on any front anymore? Yeah. The other, the third thing I did was I bought um scholarship fund. And I don't even remember where. Um, and so, and, and you get a little certificate. And so that whatever room he moved into that it was non-negotiable for me that, um, was on in a frame and on his wall. And, you know, and he once said, why is that there? And I said, because it's for you to go to university and it's for you to remember who you are and, and what, what's available for you, but also for you to be grateful that lots of other kids won't have this available to them yeah and so one of the the one one attribute that i was a really tough strict mom on was arrogance mm. yep. uh if if he was you know uppity or arrogant or snobbish or something like that i mean i i'm from northern newfoundland and my family focused on university i was the first girl in the community to graduate and go on to a profession and you know that air and I so that's one thing is I never and and to the to this day uh, Ernest and I we always have an immigrant staying in our home free oh to give them a chance on um for three months to give them a chance to save up a security deposit and yeah, so help on them get on their feet yeah, to this day, and we've had people from Iran, lots from Mexico, um, India. And it's a wonderful way to like to get to know people from different parts of the world and how things are different. And I, oh, that's fabulous. And I still speak bad Spanish because they want to practice English. Yeah. <laughs> and then the gal from India, we just kept. Oh, you kept her. Okay. <laughs> oh, she's like, she's our daughter. We adore her. We, we have three boys between us. And so when she, and she walked in the door and it was like, she walked in the door and it was like, Oh, she's home from university. Yeah. And you know, it, it really is, you know, it's, it really is. Um, she really is. She's an orphan. Her mom and dad died when she was in their oh. early twenties and yeah. And so the other thing I do that creates wealth for me is I give something away every day that costs me money. Not a good word, not a smile, not great thoughts, not prayers and blessings. I give something away every day that costs me money. Okay, so what got you into doing that? Well, I attended a workshop many, many years ago on, you know, when the abundance was becoming a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yes, very much so. And I read a book by, I think it was by Catherine Ponder. Oh. Yep. And, um, and, and I actually was a poor, you know, my mom, my son was going to private school. I was doing my master's. I was started my own business. And so I was, I think I even had like tons of credit card debt at the time. And my policy was, and my thought was I was sitting there. It all seemed like rhetoric to me because I'm not big on talk. 
In fact, I, I've told my husband when we first started dating, I do not ever want you to say I love you. Like you can't say the big L word to me because I, I never, I, if you, if I'm not always aware how you feel, then I don't want to hear rhetoric, right? So I thought, well, I'm going to do something every day for someone that costs me money. So my, I'm, my thing that I'm going to do today is, um, I had my dog shaved and, he had long hair and he's really, he walked out of that, <clears throat> that, um, um, the balance bark. I think it's balance barked in, in Spruce Cliff, like happy, like he was practically smiling. And I <laughs> well, thought, he's looking good, smelling good. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know what? I thought today I didn't tip her enough. So I'm going to go on So I called up, found out her name is Gloria. And so I'm going to put a little bit of money in an envelope and drop it off as I go to pick up. Gracie. And you're going to make somebody very, very happy. <laughs> but you know, I make me happy. Yeah. I make me happy. So that's, and so you can't be generous and feel um, poor at the same time. It's not possible. Yeah, it's very conflicting. You can't hold two opposing You can't thoughts. hold spaces. Exactly. So when I, when I act generous, then what happens is that I feel blessed, right? Well, that's very true. Yeah. Very true. I didn't mean to get preachy on you there, Tammy. I'm all for sharing and learning. I think that's really cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with us. It's been my pleasure. Let's connect again soon. We will. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Tammy. Bye now. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundation's Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfun.ca.